Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Please check out our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. We have a breadth and depth of episodes covering topics relevant to business creators just like you. And be sure to check out your favorite syndication network. We're on many of them. Be sure to subscribe to get fresh content delivered right to your virtual door. Okay, today we are going to clear the air. We are going to overcome the overwhelm. We're going to set it all aside. And what we're going to do is we're going to show you how to attract your very best clients with zero overwhelm. And I think that's something that a lot of us can feel is important for moving ourselves forward in our business. And we're going to deal with some inner game issues. We're going to deal with some mindset issues. And we're also going to get into some strategic elements of how to go ahead and do this attraction of clients and reduce the overwhelm in our business. To bring us full circle with that, I have with us today Nina Cook, who is a business mindset coach and has worked with hundreds of coaches, consultants, and other experts who are plateaued at low six figures and are frustrated because in spite of all their hard work, they still aren't getting the results they want. Her superpower is digging deep to find the root cause of why they're struggling and then showing them how they can release their deep inner blocks to gain the freedom to grow their business vision with passion and confidence. And Nina also hosts the Entrepreneur's Inner Game podcast. It's a great show, and she's been featured in Forbes magazine and on BBC Radio. Uh, Also interesting is that uh, here I am in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Nina is all the way across the pond. So, Nina, come on, swim over here. The weather's fine. (laughs) I'm swimming. (laughs) All right. Okay, here on Business Creators Radio Show, we typically do one thing before we dive into the primary elements of what the interview is going to be about, what our conversation is going to be about. And what that means is we probably have some listeners right now who have opened separate browser tabs and they're yahooing the bings of the Googles and the duck duck goes out of Nina Cook and the idea of the entrepreneur's inner game and everything else associated with her. So we'd like to give them sort of a leg up. If you could tell us, Nina, in your own phraseology, I read off your official bio, very impressive. I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be on my own show next to you in comparison. Uh, What was it about your personal journey that's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion? Yeah. Hi, Adam. Um, It's just fantastic to be here with you today and with your listeners. So what brought me to this point um, in terms of my journey? Well, I started my first uh, my first business back in 2005. I'd been in corporate world. I worked for Time Life Books for a number of years. And then I took some years out to have children. And then I decided I wanted to do something uh, in terms of, you know, starting a business. So I started a personal shopping business. 
and it grew very quickly. It became a nationwide business, uh, you know, it's a good six-figure business. I had a great team going out and doing things. Even though it was successful, I had a really strong feeling that my lack of self-confidence was holding me back in that business. I right. wasn't able to connect with the people I wanted to connect with. I wasn't able to go out speaking about my business. I really stayed small. And even though I felt I'm doing okay, I realized I could be doing so much more than I was doing at that point. And it was definitely my thinking that was holding me back and stopping me from taking bigger, bolder action to grow my business. And I realized when, you know, when I saw my children, they were very young, you know, they had this lovely natural self-confidence. They seemed to be pretty fearless. And I thought, I'm just fed up of faking it. I'm fed up of faking this confidence that I don't believe. I'm really fed up of playing small, of staying in the background, having these fears around people focusing on me, being visible. And I decided to do something about it. And I did a, I, I spent a lot of time trying lots of different trainings, you know, going to different coaches, trying different modalities and personal development. And I've got to confess, a lot of it just didn't work for me or if it worked to help me temporarily. And then my old fears would come back, you know, fears about feeling I wasn't good enough, that I was a fraud, that I didn't have much value to offer, that I wasn't as good as other people. I was very intimidated by people in authority. And I had this feeling that I'll never get what I want. And it just happened that one day a, a friend sent me an email and um, he said, you know, you're interested in limiting beliefs and this sort of stuff. And I opened up the email. It took me to a link. And I started working on my limiting beliefs with this amazing guy. And I didn't believe that anything would shift me because I thought I'm a really tough case. Nothing's ever going to work for me. This is how I am. I can maybe improve things a little bit, but I'll never be able to fundamentally change how I feel about myself. And because I was so skeptical about everything, even though things were starting to change for me, I was so resistant to, to really believing that they were. And I remember I always wanted to send out videos and I was always too scared because I was worried about what people would think about me, that they wouldn't like what I was saying. They would judge me. They would criticize me. And I remember one day thinking, oh, I'm going to do a video. And I got my camera out, I took my, you know, I got my phone ready, put it on a little, um, little stand and I shot the video and I had to, I did it in a few takes. I didn't get it right first time. And I remember thinking afterwards, that seems so easy. I actually did it for the first time. And wow. as time went on and I was getting rid of more of my limiting beliefs, I started I started to stop worrying about what people thought about me and started getting my message out in a bigger way. And I was able to talk to people about what I did. And I was starting to market in a bigger way and putting out more offers. And all of this, all of this thinking changed for me without me having to use any willpower, without me having to really get up every day and think, I'm going to change the way I'm thinking and having to say lots of affirmations and all of that it just changed me in a very organic way deep within my subconscious and I started to realize I was good as everyone else and that actually what I had to say was important 
and that not everyone would like what I had to offer, but some people would, and that was absolutely fine. And I really began to see the value of what I was offering to my clients. And it, it was such a, it was such a subtle change within me, but it had a huge impact within my life. And but what I mean by that, it was I didn't have a big eureka moment where I thought, oh my goodness, I'm seeing everything differently now. It just crept up on me, but it was completely undeniable that I was that my perception about myself and the world and other people was suddenly different and the world seemed like a safer place. It seemed more fun and it seemed as if I could try things out and if they didn't work for me that was absolutely okay it didn't mean that i was a failure or that i was a loser inherently i was okay whatever results i got in my life and that gave me the freedom to to try different things and to start start thinking about new strategies i could take which i would never have taken before because they were felt too scary and I started taking risks, not just in my business, but also in other areas of my life. And that felt really good. It felt very, very exciting because I knew that I was safe, even though if, even if it didn't work out for me, who I was was absolutely fine and that I had my safety net within me and that would always catch me. You know, it's interesting, Nina, and I just have one question for you. How mm -hmm. did you get into my office and read my diary? Because that story sounds somewhat like my own trajectory. <laughs> that's a great question do you know so many clients who come to work with me have a similar story and I keep saying to myself I track clients who have the same stories that I had and isn't it funny because that's the sort of people we can help the most right you know I, I think there's I think there's a lot to that and you mentioned that you were seeing you're seeing the behavior of children and how they didn't seem to have a lot of these things holding them back. And what I've noticed with a lot of folks is many of their issues when it comes to their mindset or their inner game or their, what it is they put out to the world that is supposed to be attractive energy gets influenced and often not in a good way by some of the messaging they receive when they're a child. And just one example I can think of is Many of our children are, they have some adult or guardian who rides them to, to always get better grades, always get better grades, always achieve, always do your best, always be the top of your class. But then the moment that kid shows a moment of pride over that, uh, a sense of purpose, a sense of accomplishment, it's who do you think you are going around bragging about yourself? Who made you better than anyone else? So you take that conflict and what do you get from that? Yeah, and that's a brilliant example. This is so true. And most of our limiting beliefs, especially our self-esteem limiting beliefs, things like there's something wrong with me, um, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough, or um, it's dangerous to have people focus on me. A lot of our limiting beliefs are formed in the first six years or so of our lives. When we're sponges, we're just taking on board what our caregivers are saying to us without questioning it. And we are given a lot of conflicting information as children. So as you said, you know, we're pushed to do better Then when we're doing better. Well, don't be big headed about it. And all of this stuff goes on. And what we have to realize and understand is that any, all of these things, which people are saying to us throughout our lives, aren't creating our limiting beliefs. 
so for taking my own example, I had, I would say, a challenging childhood. I had an older sister who was narcissistic and she didn't want me to have any attention. And, you know, she wanted to be in the spotlight all the time, have everyone's eyes focusing on her. And so she would just um, always put me down whenever she could. So right. I grew up with a real sense of I have to be invisible to be safe in this world. I mustn't let people focus on me because that's when I get into trouble. And when I started doing this work, I realized my sister never gave me any of those limiting beliefs. I created them in my own mind by trying to figure out why she was behaving like this and why she kept putting me down and why she kept creating trouble for me, you know, with my mum. Right. And I had to, and my thinking about these events was what caused my limiting beliefs. She never had the power to give me any of my thinking. I created these limiting beliefs in my own head. And when I realized that I created the limiting beliefs that had nothing to do with her, that's what really gave me the, the freedom to be able to remove them. Because if she gave me my limiting beliefs, then she would have to help me to remove them somehow or I'd have to do some work on her to remove them but I can't change anyone's thinking I can't I have no control over anyone else changing in my world but I do have control about changing my thinking about events in my life so no one ever gives us our limiting beliefs we think them up in our own minds innocently so for an example, a child um, wants their parents to play with them and the parents are always too busy. Maybe they're, you know, they're working or they're cooking or doing something else and they don't get around to playing with this child. And this may happen frequently. So after a while, the child starts thinking, why are my parents always too busy to play with me? Oh, it's because I'm not important. The parents never gave that child that limiting belief that he's not important. The child made it up in their own head because they were trying to figure out why that situation was happening. Another child would have come up with a different limiting belief. Another child would have come up with another limiting belief. So the limiting beliefs we come up with are unique to us because they come from our unique thinking. You and I, we think differently. We have different perception of the world because we're unique thinkers. There are over 7 billion unique thinkers in this world. And so every limiting belief we make up in our heads to try and, you know, interpret a situation or an event is something that we're doing inside of us. It's not coming from the outside world. And for me, this was such a game changer because whatever was going on out there, I could still decide how I viewed it. I could decide how I react to it. No one else has ever got the power to make me think in any particular way. That's my own free will. And it's interesting because so many entrepreneurs, you know, we're, we're chasing a new strategy, we're implementing like mad, adding a new team member, doing all those things that we think are really important to get the next big breakthrough in our business. But we rush past our most valuable asset, our thinking. This is where everything starts. Every Every time we take an action, it has to be a thought first. And when we start spending time on our thinking and really figuring out why aren't I moving forward? Why do I have that resistance to taking that action or putting my offer out there or you know, talking to my audience or 
you know, or, or maybe, you know, creating a new video, whatever it is, why do I feel resistant to that? If we really spent time on thinking about it and wrote down our thoughts, then you'll be able to start picking out your limiting beliefs. And then you can actually start doing something about them, about releasing them. Because when you have your limiting beliefs, you are, it causes you to think really small about what you believe is possible for you. Well, I may be able to, I may be able to increase my, my income by 10%. Now, that's great, but actually you could do so much more than that. So it's about what, who do you need to be? How do you need to think and feel in order to double your income, in order to be working with your ideal clients, in order to connect with those people you really want to connect with? Who do you need to be? And if you were that person, what sort of action would you be taking to do the work that you love to do? So it's all about giving yourself permission to be who you really are. And who you really are is so powerful. It's so magnificent. And you know, if you were 100% certain of your inner power, of your inherent self-worth, if you knew that with 100% certainty, then you could achieve so much more than you believe right now with this smaller thinking. Yeah, I think there's so much to that. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm here in my office right now, and our listeners know that I have two personal assistants who supervise me, Princess Alessandra and Princess Stella. <laughs> and just, just seeing the, the feline innocence of, my cats, the way they boldly pace across my desk. And those who follow my live streams on my various platforms will see how I'll be right in the middle of something and Alessandra just jumps right in there. She has no problem jumping right in front of the webcam and in some cases even meowing into it. And they have, because cats just don't deal with the same socializations as humans do in some cases, this childlike state of enthusiasm that to me I sometimes find inspiring. And you and I have now spent uh, almost 20 minutes and we've gone so deeply into these foundations of what impacts our inner game. And we know that what comes from inside radiates to the outside and becomes the energy we put out there. So tell us more about this impact of mindset and why it's critical for attracting, and I'm going to say this carefully, your ideal clients. Some would say for attracting more clients, but we're looking for ideal clients here. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest component of attracting your ideal clients, the people you really, really want to work with, they may be a high level paying client than you currently have. They may have exactly the challenge that you know you can help them with. It's to believe in your value to believe that what you have to offer them is so super valuable that what you're charging is just not enough. And when you have that feeling, and again, I've come to that word certainty, when you have that certainty that you have something incredibly valuable that will transform their lives, that will help them to have an easier life, will help them to earn more money or have a better relationships or whatever it is, when you know that with complete certainty, then your prospect will pick that up on a subliminal level your certainty will shine through your confidence your self-belief your trust in yourself and then that prospect will trust you to help them 
So have you, have you ever had a conversation with a prospect where you, you're wobbly inside of yourself when it comes to saying your price, you know, you don't say it with any flow, you may stumble over the numbers, you're not quite sure, you're thinking, I don't think this person is going to want what I've got, they don't think it's of value, they're never going to pay that much, this isn't going to, you know, they're never going to sign up for me. And of course, what happens is that client or the prospect says, actually, I need to think about it, or it's too much, or whatever excuse they give. And have you had those calls where you just get into a great conversation? You forget all about yourself, and you're listening so deeply to what your prospect is saying, to what they need, and, you're, and you, you get that excitement inside of you. I can help you. I can help you. And I'm so excited to show you how I can help you. And you don't even think about, you know, that point where you have to say your price it just comes easily you've built that amazing bridge from where they are now to where they could be with your service and it's just flowing and you're in your flow and you're standing there in your power and you're giving your best information out and it's a no-brainer that that prospect is going to see your value because you believe in it completely and then they're going to say yes to working with you and when that's happened with me, I've got off the call. And I just think, oh, that was just amazing. The energy was incredible. But it had to come from my self-belief in myself, in what I'm providing, in the service that I'm providing. And I was wondering, have you had that experience? Myself? Oh, goodness. Yes. You know, here's the, um, here's the phenomenon I used to deal with. And I've covered elements of this in various episodes of Business Creators Radio and in some of my other interviews. So this will not be a big surprise to a lot of people who know me well, is when I first became a full-time entrepreneur, I met somebody in the hallway and I jumped into this new line of business, which was different from what my business was originally conceived to be. In short, like so many others, I became a marketing guy because there was so much money, opportunity, and clients there. Well, I built a business that had a lot of clients that overwhelmed me to the point that it got to the day where I was dealing with multiple clients from hell, and I took it out on my printer, which I smashed into 100 pieces. I cover the story in grand detail inside my book, Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, but here are a couple of the themes. I was having all kinds of referrals sent to me, and a lot of them are great. And some of them are clients to this day, and some of the ones that are no longer clients are great friends. So I'm not putting it down, and I'm not saying that I'm not grateful, because I am. But there was a pressure of I was obligated to deal with whoever was referred to me as a client. And, oh boy, if I had six members of the same mastermind that had become my clients, and the seventh one, oh, I, if, I, if, I, if they were putting off more red flags in May Day in Tiananmen Square, and I politely declined. Oh, oh, it even became the, how can you possibly turn this person down? How does that make me feel? And what did that do to, what did that do to my sense of worth in my own business? Like, I, I felt like I couldn't even have control over who I worked with. So it can come at you in different ways. And my path to liberation began when I went to all my referral partners, and I said, we're so, we're so overloaded right now. I am not going to be able to take on any more referrals for the next six months. So I'm suspending referrals. I'll let you know when we're back with the idea that most of those people would never hear back that we were taking referrals again. And that was step one in closing down that business and moving to another business. The other 
issue that I kept seeing is that I would have prospects come onto my radar screen. I would give my best pitch and what have you. And then crickets. I wouldn't hear back from follow-ups. Then what would happen is a year later, I would find out that they paid some competing firm twice what I asked them for. In one case, three times what I asked them for to get totally screwed over. And now they're coming back to me because not only is it a year later and they haven't moved a step forward, but they've lost all their money. They've lost all their momentum. And they're wondering if they could, uh, if they could work with me now, but if I could cut my price in half because they just don't have the money anymore. So Mm -hmm. literally take another cut to clean up my own competitor's mess. Well, what was I supposed to say about that? So when you put all those elements together, I saw that, and I felt this internally, that my candle was sort of flickering out, that my radiance was sort of not coming through. And that led to a phrase that our listeners who tune in every week hear me say almost every week. When I refer to that three-year period of my life where I wasn't sure what I was going to be when I grew up. So I gave myself the time to figure out what do I really want to do here? What is the true intersection of my brilliance and my passion from which I can serve the world from an overflowing cup? And I gave myself the space to do that because in the meantime, I had a cadre of really great clients I really enjoyed working with. The revenues were okay. Uh, And I still had the Business Creators Radio Show where we're interviewing fantastic people like you. And that enabled me to keep my networking going. And I even picked up a few additional clients through some of the green room conversations. So everything was okay. I, I accepted that we were kind of just functioning at a basic level while I was taking the, the t- step because I realized that I was so discombobulated between the messaging and the experience that I kind of needed to almost go on a spiritual vision quest to find out where I was headed. And all of that process manifested itself in my book, Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, which came out on, well, Groundhog Day, February, 18, February 2018. Uh, here in the United States, we call them groundhogs or woodchucks or what have you. I believe in your part of the world, Nina, they call them marmots, if I understand correctly, because I know you have them. Yes, I'm not sure what they call them, but I know the film very well. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my that, favorite yeah. films. That's where the idea came from. I was speaking with my business coach and I made an offhand comment that, yeah, and sometimes it's these little things that make it feel like the entrepreneurs, like their, their business is like that movie Groundhog Day over and over again. It's like, aha, mm. Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. Well, at, fir- if, if, well, at, fir- at first the title was Groundhog Day is an event, not a marketing strategy. And then I had to remind people again, I don't want to be a air quotes, marketing guy. That word has to change. Business strategy. And just with that little change, I noticed an increased amount of energy around the project itself. So there's something to be said for making small changes in the language that can, uh, that can modify the mindset. And sometimes it's your own language. And that's what I want to ask you about next is have you had any observations along those lines where by simply rewording things or rephrasing things in your own mind in your own speech it makes changes to your mindset your inner game and how you project yourself yeah absolutely this is really key and i would say the first step to changing your thinking to expanding your thinking to growing your thinking is awareness 
awareness of what you're thinking when you when you feel resistance to taking any action in your life just stop and think what am i thinking that makes me not want to do that action and you will be you will see so much in your thinking that you can start working on and you can even write a list write a list of your scarcity and fear-based thinking because all of this is going on at a deep level and if you want to deal with it then you have to know what you need to deal with before you can deal with it if that makes any sense so what is causing you to to think small what's really really stopping you from standing in your value and owning your expert status because let's face it we're all experts of what we do and from working with higher-end clients and from charging your worth so in terms of changing your the words the reality is that most of us have fears we have fears around our business there can be fears of rejection fears of taking a risk uh, fear of being a fraud fear that you're bothering people fear of your value saying your pricing well these are all fears that most business owners have to a lesser or greater extent now these fears have a huge impact in your life because if you didn't have these fears, you'll be able to charge more, you would be able to be much more visible, you'll be able to market in a bigger way, you'll be able to have a bigger income and have more clients. That's a given, isn't it? If we didn't have fear, then we would be able to take much bigger action because we would be worried about rejection, we wouldn't be worried about judgment, about people criticizing us, about being humiliated, any of those things that can stop us. Right. Now, the the way to change your limiting beliefs, and you can change your limiting beliefs, and this was, when I realized this, this was such a big, big thing for me. If your belief system isn't working for you, you can change it. You can literally identify it and permanently eliminate all of the beliefs that are holding you back and causing you to, to, to play small in your life. And then once you remove them, you create a space in your subconscious and you can start creating new empowering beliefs and put them into your subconscious. These are not affirmations. These are things you have to repeat on a daily basis to make sure they stick. They be, these new empowering beliefs become a part of you. They become part of your identity. You believe in them 100% of the time. And then you start changing the lens through which you view the world. So, you know, how cool is that? And when you do that, when you start taking out your old limiting beliefs and putting in new empowering beliefs, you automatically start to think, wow, I can achieve all the success I want. The sky's the limit for me. I can up-level my financial set point to start earning more money. I can, I can deliver so much to my clients. I can, I can literally transform people's lives. Hey, I'm an expert at what I do. I can impact more people than ever before. I can now create a big group coaching a group coaching program. I start working with multiple clients at the same time. Now, isn't that exciting? And that this, is thrilling. This is, yes. <laughs> yeah, and this comes from being aware and knowing that you are holding yourself back. It's nothing on the outside that's stopping you. It's not that you didn't get that great opportunity. Someone else got that opportunity. It's not that your competitors are better at what you what you know at, at the stuff that in in your niche. They're better what they do than you are. It's not that you know you're unlucky and you never get the right people to talk to. None of that's true. You create your own opportunities through your thinking. You create your own luck 
with your thinking. And it's all about being in that space in your thinking where you are, you are tuned in to your value and you are tuned into your power. And you have to be tuned in at that level in order to get to the next level of your business. You have to be at that place emotionally, mentally, you know, at that subconscious level for you to have the next breakthrough. Otherwise, you know, you may get some success, but you'll self-sabotage yourself and go backwards again. You'll never get beyond a certain limit with the same sort of thinking. It's Groundhog Day. You know, if you yes. keep thinking the same thing again and again and again, you'll keep taking the same sort of actions. They may vary, but the same type of action again and again. And guess what? You'll keep getting the same result again and again. Yeah, that's very true. And this is a point of contention I have with many business coaches. Not exactly a point of contention, but sort of a place where I sometimes diverge in my own recommendations and my own practices as I grow my own business ventures. We see many times when entrepreneurs find themselves in cash flow mode, which is more often than they will, often, than they will frequently admit on their social media, uh, humble brags, vague booking, and pictures of themselves next to expensive cars, notwithstanding. A lot of us find ourselves in cash flow mode more often than we care to admit or even care to be. So one of the suggestions that you find out there is you do some sort of campaign around some, some sort of story. And the idea is to reach out to some of your con contacts and see what kind of business you can pick up relatively quickly to, to get the money, right? So... In a previous life, and you have to go back 10 years at this point, 10 years at this point, I used to own a web development firm. I shut the thing down for a reason. It was, it was taking my lifeblood out of me. It's, it, 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 was, it was about a million miles from my brilliance and passion. So the recommendation comes up, well, you know, you could take on a couple of these projects and, and uh, you're going to get that money. And while, you're, and while you're gritting through it, even though how much you hate it, you just think about what that money's going to do for you. Well... I've tried that tactic a few times and very quickly reminded why I ran screaming from it. And to go through a river of hell that you're inflicting upon yourself to achieve a short-term financial goal or to get yourself out of a pickle or to come up with business reinvestment money to fund your new thing or whatever it is you're looking to do. The question I ask, and this is my challenge question to it is, all right, so we recognize we need to do some biz dev. We recognize we need to get some cash happening here. And we've already picked a new direction we want to go in or there's a direction we want to go in that leads us towards doing the types of work and having the types of clients that sit at the intersection of our brilliance and passion. So since we're going to be doing this campaign to bring in clients anyway, why not just do the same thing to quickly get some clients that you want to work with for the types of projects, services, and solutions you want to deliver? Going to put that effort out there anyway. What would be the problem with taking a big step forward instead of one step forward, two steps back? Because every time I've followed that advice and tried it, I found myself getting further behind than I had been when I started, both financially and in terms of business progression. And what do you think that did to my mindset and my spirit? 
Yeah, yeah. And what you said is so true. The passion and the purpose to what you're doing is the key that unlocks huge amount of success. And when I look at business owners who are phenomenally successful, not just in the coaching world, but in other areas as well, what I see again and again is they are so passion-driven in what they do. And they, they just do everything they can to serve their clients. And then the money comes. And it's being really, really passionate. If, you, you know, if any of our listeners, you know, they, they don't have that passion-driven business, then I would really recommend with great respect that they take a good look, hard look at what they're doing. And if it's not making them feel that this is what I really love doing, then to maybe swivel or pivot and find something that they truly love doing. And, it, this, and if you extend that a little bit further, to unlock the next level of your success, you have to align with your heart to the next level of who you need to be in order to get to that next level. And you need to release that current level of limiting thinking in order to be that person that you need to be to get to that next level. So a lot of it is heart related. And so often we run our businesses from the head. And that's why I left my first business, my personal shopping business. It wasn't what I loved doing. Okay, you know, it gave me a good income. I was helping a lot of people, but I wasn't connected to it with my heart. I was doing it through my head. And this business that I do now, I connect to it with my heart. And that keeps increasing more and more. And I realized that I used to write emails from my head. I was writing emails where I thought, this is what the, my reader wants to, to, wants to hear from me. And they weren't connecting. So now I write my emails. I create my videos from my heart. I say what I believe is true. And some people connect with me and other people don't. But that's okay. As long as I'm doing it from my heart, then that's what gives me that motivation, that sense of purpose to keep doing this work and connecting from the heart to what you do, connecting with your heart to the next level of who you need to be to break through your next level, uh, your next income level, to work with your ideal clients. That's the stuff to really focus on, to make it much easier to, to up-level your income and to grow your business. Yeah, I have found that myself. You know, I have, I have a voice that projects, I guess you could say, and this is actually a happy unintended consequence of my early childhood. At one point, I was deaf due to some illness. I don't know what the illness was, but there was a time I couldn't hear. Folks around me noticed that I was getting on three years old and I hadn't said my first words yet or something to that effect. So I know that I had drainage tubes in my ears for a while, and to this day, uh, if I'm in a noisy, crowded place and I want to have a conversation, I often have to leave the place. And I have to educate my friends that it, even though I'm sitting there, uh, if you attempt to begin a conversation with me without being sure you have my attention, I will probably miss what you said. Hmm. So you have to take that extra step of making sure, uh, especially if there's ambient noise, that you have my attention before you say anything. Uh, that being said, what that has done for me is I have to speak a little bit louder so I can hear myself. For those who are unaware of this phenomenon, in order to be able to speak, you need to be able to hear what you're saying. That is why 
this uh, this is part of the reason why you have folks who have been deaf their entire lives who when they do learn to speak they have muscular development issues and their words don't come out the same in fact even i had some of that as a child where my after i did learn to speak for several years i spoke in a very slurring sort of way because the delay in my learning to speak had caused the muscles related to that to atrophy and not develop properly and people thought that was funny and i've even had cases where i was a grown adult and I'll hear somebody in the background who knows me from back then who will make fun of the way I used to speak when I was eight years old. And I just dismiss those people from my lives candidly because if you're my age and you can't, you know, you got to fix yourself before I'm going to let you take my energy. That being said, that being said, all this I recognize in the end gave me a gift is I have a voice that's great for broadcasting. I can project it. I can bring energy and confidence to it. In fact, places I hang out, newer places I hang out as I'm starting to get to know people, one of the questions that frequently comes up is, hey, don't you have a show on the radio? And I point out that I do happen to have a podcast, but they were actually thinking they heard me on their local radio station. So that's what I work with. Also, I have a face for radio, and as I like to say, at least God gave me the voice. He was consistent about that. <laughs> so, You've got a great radio voice, and it is full of energy, and you know, it's a very powerful voice. Right, right. So the, so the other piece I want to layer upon this is I don't really enjoy doing videos at all. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say this in my own language, in alignment with my own truth, I reluctantly, feeling that I almost have to, will do a weekly video live stream. Now, that being said, I have a lot of enthusiasm for it, and here's what does it for me, is a level of self-awareness where I can say, wow, God gave me a face for radio, but at least he gave me the voice to go with it, so it's consistent. And second, that... And I've gotten a lot of comments on this, by the way, because what I'm sharing and what I'm doing resides at the intersection of my brilliance and passion. That comes through, and people find my video presence to be highly engaging and motivating. Well, that's kind of what I was going for, so as I see it, that's success. Yeah. And, and, isn't it and when, when, I, when, I, when I get that feedback, it closes the loop for me, and... Then I go from, well, I reluctantly understand I sort of have an obligation here because the algorithms favor that when it comes to engagement. And that goes away or gets set aside and gets replaced by, yes. And when I see that people are getting motivated, they're getting excited, they're asking questions from a place of genuine curiosity, they're leaning in, they find this inspirational, now that changes the entire frame. And also notice how changing language and changing the view of facts not in dispute creates a new truth. Yes, that's so interesting. And what you did is you found your big why, and your why was bigger than the fear or the reluctance. Right, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid, I just didn't want to. Yeah, you just didn't I want, to. Gonna, I didn't want to. to. Yeah. yeah, 
And it's interesting because often, you know, when we don't want to do something, we'll just find a reason not to do it. And but you actually, you know, you, you work through it and you found a big enough reason to do it. And now you're seeing the evidence. And this is another key thing about changing our thinking is that when we have a limiting belief, for example, we may have a limiting belief. No one's going to pay me that much. Therefore, we don't put our costs up. When we have that belief, we'll keep looking for evidence that that belief is true. So we may find evidence, look, that prospect thought that my, my prices were too high. That person didn't book with me, etc. Therefore, I have to keep my prices at this point. I can't put them up. However, if you did put your prices up and then a, pro a prospect booked with you and became a client, then you would have the evidence that actually people are willing to pay higher prices. And you can look around at other people in your niche and say, well, so-and-so is charging that much more. Therefore, there are people willing to pay the price, that higher price. And this comes back to working with your ideal clients, is to, is to know that, that whatever price you charge, there will be some people willing to pay that price. And that is the truth. All you have to do is for you to believe in your value first. And often we have a mental spending limit in our heads and it's tied to how much we're willing to invest in ourselves. So, for example, if someone's willing to, their, their, their limit for coaching is two grand, they probably won't be able to charge more than two grand for their own coaching package. And so I would encourage everyone to look at your own spending limits and you don't have to charge what other people are charging. You just have to charge what you believe is a fair exchange for what you're offering someone else. So the, in the um, own mental spending limit, which we've created in our heads, it's not fixed. It's flexible. It can go up and it can go down. It's not set in stone. And again, it's by changing your thinking about what you believe is possible for you that will up your internal financial set point. And when you raise your own financial spending limit, your own financial set point, that's when you can start charging more. That's when you become willing to invest more in yourself because you're worth it. And the whole essence of holding ourselves back, playing small, not believing that we're capable, it all comes down to self-worth. All of it comes down to self-worth. And it's what we believe we deserve. If we don't believe we deserve much in our lives, then guess what? That's all we will expect. If we believe we are limitless, that we can have whatever we want in a, you know, an ethical, wonderful way, then that's what you will achieve in your life. It comes down to your expectations about yourself and what you're here to do and what you believe you can achieve in your life. The great news is, you can completely expand your self-worth. You can completely expand your vision of what is possible for you. You can call it in. You can actually attract it in your life. But first, you have to change your beliefs because that is your magnet you're putting out to the world. You will pick up what you believe to be true about yourself throughout your life. And you know to make it easier and have more flow to work without stress, to have a business without overwhelm, when you're truly aligned with your heart and your head and believe in what you do, believe in your value, believe in what the impact you make on other people, then naturally you will be able to work with the clients you want to work with 
who will pay you handsomely for what you do. Right. And here's one other thing I wanted to run by. Part of my trajectory is I recognize I had to say no to a lot of things. And it was my inability to say no. I mean, inside my book, I tell the story of this one place where I ended up with three clients from hell who were making my life miserable all at the same time. And it led to a series of events where I ended up smashing my printer into a thousand pieces because mm. I was that frustrated. Now with one of those three clients from hell, I remember where they came from. They were referred to me by one of my other clients. And I recall the very first time that I spoke with this person, it was during one of those, let's have a three-way conference call and introduce, you know, introduce each other, right? And when for the first 10 minutes of that call, my new client wouldn't even speak to me. They only conversed with the person who was referring. There was no, hi, Adam, or any questions for me. They actually spoke about me on the call in the third person. I should have hung up. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, that's how egregious this was. And it was my own, at the time, perceived lack of self-worth that I owed it to somebody else to give this person the time of day, whereas with that behavior, they don't get an audience with me, is how it should have been. In fact, yeah. I, in fact, in fact, if that were to happen today here and, you know, as you're listening today, in that conversation, I would have said something like, you know, we've been on the line here for nine minutes. And so far, you've not addressed me, you've not responded directly to me, and you've spoken about me as if I'm not even here. Mm. Do you really think that we're going to be working together? I would have the ability to say that. Uh, and one of my turning points for me on this was actually very small. I remember one time I was in a grocery store, and I was, uh, I was second in line to have my groceries rung up. And the, 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 the checkout person, the person working the checkout, was having a conversation with the people in front of me to the point where they had already paid, their items were already bagged, and they were supposed to be pushing forward. And their ongoing conversation with that person in front of me was actually holding me up from getting my stuff rung up. So mm -hmm. finally, this person in front of me leaves, and I start to pull, pull, pull up, and I, I put my stuff on a conveyor. And while they're checking my stuff out, they begin a conversation with the person in line behind me without even having acknowledged I was there. So, um, so after they finish ringing me up uh, and, they, and they hand me my receipt without even looking me in the eye when handing me the receipt, I said, you know, really nice chatting with you. It's great to know how much you appreciate me as a customer. <laughs> and, and, and I remember this even though it was a very minor thing because it took me back to a time where not only would I have accepted that type of disrespect, but I would have gone introspectively. I don't want to say introvertly because introversion is a beautiful thing. I would have gone introspectively to say, what is it about me that caused a checkout worker to not want to speak to me? Yeah. yeah. Whereas the bottom line is they should have acknowledged me. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you said something so wonderful then. You never caused that checkout worker to ignore you their thinking caused them to ignore you. You had yes. nothing to do with it. And yet we keep pinning things on ourselves. That person ignored me. That was my, that's because I'm not important. That's because I'm invisible. That's because I'm not worth bothering about. 
And this is, this is evidence we keep stacking up again and again to support our limiting beliefs. And you asked, um, you know, you asked something, uh, a question about not being able to say no. There is such a big fear of saying no because we want to be liked. And this is such an overriding big, big goal for us to be liked that we can often take action that's not in our own interest and bend over backwards for other people, doing things we don't want to do, things that tie up our time, that exhaust us, drain our energy, because we want to be liked. And once we can see that actually we have no control over whether people like us or not, because we can't change their thinking about us, all right. we can do is put our best stuff and just do what we're here to do, work from within our energy, you know, show up, do our stuff. And whether people like us or not is completely out of our control. And again, this really, really freed me up to stop worrying about what people thought about me of sort of try and twist myself to be who people wanted me to be. And this really made me feel like a fake and a fraud because I never felt I was putting my real, what purse, my real self out there in case, right. in case people rejected that real self because that would just be too painful. And in, when I was engaging in conversations, I'd be more worried about what they were thinking about me. And therefore, I wasn't listening, truly listening to the other person. And now, because I've got rid of those limiting beliefs about needing to be liked, now I can engage at a much deeper level and really listen and focus on the other person. And whether they like me or not, actually, that's fine. It's, I'm not going to get everyone to like me. It's not possible. Not everyone's going to resonate with my message about my service. That's absolutely okay. And that's really made me feel that I can express myself more from my heart and align within myself and put out a, a really um, a focused message that feels true, true to who I am. Isn't that funny how when you put a pause to trying to say things because you thought it was what you wanted them to, they wanted to hear or what you're supposed to say or whatever language you want to put around that. When you got rid of trying to please them based on how you thought they wanted to be pleased, you actually discovered more about who they were as people and how things can come together with them. Yes. And that is so true. So everything becomes much more fun, more enjoyable. And the other thing, Adam, the curious thing that happened is when I really started aligning with who I am and saying the message that I believe I'm here to give, that's when I started drawing in more clients, people that I really, really love working with. And as I've drawn in more clients, I've been able to raise my prices because I can't yes. work with everyone. And so... There's, there's, there's a greater flow in my business from not worrying about what people think about me. And it, it took me a long time to learn that lesson. And it's been one of the biggest lessons I've learned, actually, not just in business, but in life, that it's okay for people not to like me. Yeah, once I, once I discovered that, that it was actually okay if, if I wasn't everybody's cup of tea. I mean, that's, you know what, that's fine, that's fine by me. And my discovery, of course, was through the concept of push-pull marketing and attract-repel marketing. And it took me, due to my mindset issues that I was working through, some time to actually be able to implement these things. And I'm in a place now where if something in my marketing or something in my communication repels certain people, 
Well, that's just fantastic because their no helps me get closer to the yes I need. Because now I know that's a no. I can go find a yes. Yes. And it's putting out tentative messages. It's putting out half-hearted marketing that really is going to, that's, that's a big waste of time and energy, isn't it? Because you're not really going to be hitting home with anyone. So I would encourage our listeners that put out the message you truly believe in, that you really believe in with all your heart, put it out there and don't fear any judgment or any criticism. And you will be amazed at the response you get from the people who are ready to hear you. Very good. Absolutely. And with that note, I think that's a great place for us to segue out here. We could probably continue this conversation for about 12 more hours. And in fact, I would love to. Sadly, our partners only give us an hour. So what I'd like to do is we have about three minutes left here. And I want to give one of those minutes to you because I understand that for those in our audience who are listening in and want to delve more into uh, attracting clients and client attraction with out overwhelmed by removing the overwhelm by adjusting the mindset, which is basically what we covered here today. You have a little something for us. Yes, absolutely. So one of the biggest things my clients uh, face in their business is being able to raise their prices to really believe in their self-worth. So I put together a free video training, which is how to smash through your income glass ceiling. Your income glass ceiling is something that innocently you've created, that this is as much as I can charge. This is as much as I can earn. And I want to help you to really smash through that so you can earn as much as you want. And believe me, you are absolutely able to earn what you want and call in the clients you want to work with. So if you head over to ninacook.co.uk forward slash free video training, you'll find that the training that I deliver is it's really short. It's easy for you to implement. And um, so head over there and use that training because this could really help you to unlock the next level of your business success. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing with us. And let me just say, this has been one of our very exciting and fun conversations. And uh, Nina Cook, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an oh, honor and absolutely an education. It's been such a pleasure being here and I've had so much fun. Absolutely. So for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.